More than half of all companies globally are family-owned or operated. Family businesses contribute 70% of the world's GDP and account for 65% of jobs. Their voices are important. Their stories must be told. Brought to you by the award-winning publication, Tharavat Magazine. This is the Family Business Voice with your host, Ramya Elagami. As a sixth-generation leader in his family's meat processing business, Compaxo, Michael Thunderpost walks a virtual tightrope. He must honor five generations of his family's business legacy, while at the same time ensuring Compaxo's sustainability with forward-facing strategy. Headquartered in Gouda in the Netherlands, Compaxo can trace its roots back to 1896, when Johannes van der Post opened a pork butcher's shop. Since then, Compaxo has grown into one of Europe's most successful pork processing operations. Today, Michael van der Post is one of 13 shareholders tasked with guiding the century-old operation through the era of digital disruption. On this episode of The Family Business Voice, Michael van der Post and I discuss his early memories of the business, motivating the next generation and adapting to a rapidly changing industry. Enjoy this episode with Michael. Usually, when you ask a family business how old they are, there's a straightforward answer. But as we've just discovered when we started talking together, actually, the answer to how old your family business is, is actually not entirely clear. So it might be we're in a range, I believe you said, between 100 and 125 years. Tell us where you guys are at right now in deciding which anniversary you're soon going to be celebrating. Yes, it's uh, obviously not not really clear when everything started. So it's uh, more or less also something like a, like a mythical uh, story. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, throughout the years, uh, we have always been communicating 1921 as the official starting point of the company. But uh, yeah, we were always aware of the fact that the first butchery activities uh, turned out to take place uh, far uh around uh, the the half of 1800. Mm. Recently, we have been starting with, uh, in terms of celebrating our 100 years anniversary, which was actually planned in 2021. We turned out to some kind of a surprise that we uh, discovered uh, a fact that it is even possible to claim uh, 1896 as the uh, foundation year (laughs) of the company, uh, since... uh, company which is assisting us with historical data has found some evidence that uh, we started in 1896 by registering in the uh, the, the Dutch Hinderwet. I'm not sure how it's called in English, but uh, this is more or less uh, a description in, uh, in, in government terms, uh, uh, which was common in those times that uh, companies were registered uh, for, uh, for founding there. Yeah. So you can trace it back all the way to that moment in time, which is, it's just an incredible achievement, of course. Like we all know, yeah. it's actually beating the odds for so many generations for any family business is very hard. So that's the official registration day. But you know that your family has been active in this industry for that long and for longer, yeah. right? Like how much do you all know from the family side, from the storytelling side? How much do you know from your great grandfathers about the founding story of the, of the company? Well, yeah, for, for now, I'm actually can be considered as a sixth generation uh, uh, family member. So actually, my, uh, yeah, how do you call this? The, the six generations ago, they, they started with butchery trade. Uh, and the, the story those times was that uh, during the summer days, 
the, the owners of the company or the entrepreneurs uh, were working as uh, as painters, and in the winter, this uh, they were working as uh, as uh, butcheries, and that's more or less due to the fact that uh, during the summer days there was no money or uh, equipment on uh, chilling and, and freezing the meat products. So that's more or less the the thing. And then uh, the so-called second generation took over the company at the end of 1800, passed it through to his son, uh, which could be considered as the, the so-called uh, third generation. Uh, and his son, together with his uh, three uh, uh, sons, started uh, with, with producing on a, on a bigger scale, uh, which has probably been done uh, after the Second World War. So around 1948, they started with producing industrial scale processed meat products so that has actually been done in the factory where we still are located today the company expanded farther and farther and uh, so on uh, around the 1970s my grandfather and his generation also started with uh, with a slaughterhouse uh, due to the fact that they uh, were able to guarantee uh, of the most important resource, which was namely uh, fresh pork meat, uh, to be served as, as an input for, for instance, sausages, bacon products, ham products, and so on. And that's more or less the, the story until my, uh, my father with his cousins and his brothers took over the company. Mm-hmm. Uh, they also expanded the company far, farther towards one of the biggest major players in the Netherlands. And recently, around 2019, my generation uh, took over the company. So that's more or less uh, the story and the timeline uh, when it comes to passing over from generation to generation so far. That's incredible. Because, I mean, six generations, let's face it, guys, it doesn't happen every day. It's it's no, a really big true. achievement. And we all yeah. know that most family businesses will not outlast a third generation for obvious reasons. Either the industry doesn't work out anymore or the family loses interest, right? Do you both remember the time when you started realizing as children that you were part of a quite considerable business legacy, was there a moment of realization or was it just always part of your lives? Uh, well, my uh, father never pushed me to work in the company, more or less stimulated me to be independent and, and work uh, on my own study, for instance. But yeah, it was for me always quite clear that I was part of, of something bigger and, and I wanted to be part of this this bigger thing, which is uh, expanding uh, the history. Also, by the fact uh, to be grateful of uh, having the benefits uh, throughout uh, my, my youth. Yeah, and I was always exposed to uh, to the fact that, uh, that it wasn't a part of the family. Since a child, I was uh, coming with my dad sometimes to the office uh, later on uh, during my uh, School uh, holidays, uh, I started working within the factory just for a few hours. Um, it was more or less uh, something in which I grew up with. So that, that's uh, more or less the thing. And uh, I think it's uh, yeah, more or less the same for, uh, for the other uh, kids in my generation. I think another reason why a lot of family businesses can't make it to this point, right? Like is that, of course, with every generation, you have more family members that get added sometimes to the shareholdership or more family members that, you know, want to get involved in the business. And sometimes there's conflict and people can't agree anymore on the way forward. So you mentioned briefly before you touched upon the fact that already your father took this on with his brothers and his cousins. So you already had quite a lot of family members involved. Explain yeah. to us how it works today uh, in, in Compaxo. So how many family members are involved and, and how does the ownership structure work that you are today so healthy and so on track with the continuity of the family business? Yeah, at the moment, uh, we are working with 13 uh, shareholders. 
so yeah, how do you get everything uh, in harmony? That's that's of course uh, not a big issue, but a uh, big challenge it is for sure. We just recently started, uh, but I can see the future with trust. I think uh, the the roles of the the family members are quite clear. Uh, there's also room for ambition for everyone, which is also uh, a strict rule in the statutes of the company. Is the fact that every day everyone is forced to work in the company at least to be shareholder. So I think that this is also very important for us uh, to keep the attention and, and uh, keep everything, everyone sharp and involved and committed. I think that's for now uh, something which is really important to be mm. done and um, make everyone uh, attracted uh, to the same way. Yeah. Do you guys have like a, a certain amount of experience that someone has to have before they join the company or like, are there rules in place as to how you do you, uh, even if you're a family member, do you have to apply to the business to be hired or how does it work? Uh, no, I don't think it's that bureaucratically organized uh, <laughs> for, for our generation. Most of the, of the people started working uh, directly after high school uh, mm. of my generation. Others uh, did their study for first or also gain some experience in uh, in internships at other uh, bigger companies uh, within the food industry or, mm. or other related companies. But we do not have uh, strict application rules on this. When you guys started out like as a sixth generation, like do you talk to each other about like, you know, what is the thing that you as a generation want to add? Or is it more to your mind, Michael, or to yours, Irena, as well? Like, is it more to think about what you personally want to add to the family business that matters to you? Or is there like a coordinated effort as a generation saying like, oh, well, you know, the sixth generation should, I don't know, example, internationalize the company or something like that. Is there something like that in your minds? Yeah, I can't speak for my other generation members, but uh, I think we have a common goal at least to expand more uh, internationally. Uh, this is also a result of how the, the market involves. Uh, I can see in the local market in which we are, especially for the processed meat factory, uh, mainly uh, national focused, that uh, we are working in a, in a declining market. That's mm. something we can't deny. So internationalization from my point of view is more or less uh, more a must than a choice mm -hmm. so you've managed to stay not only in business for six generations as a family but you've also managed to stay pretty much in the same industry i think there's been some vertical integration you've expanded into like provisioning etc and the supply chain has definitely expanded for you but the industry around you as you just said like has changed a lot in the netherlands and also in yeah. other countries around you can you tell us a little bit more about like you know what have been sort of like the most recent sort of like real changes that you've seen in the industry and in the demand that are now like pushing you towards, you know, innovation in the next, in the next phase. Yeah, that's clear. I think it's, it's also something we can't deny that uh, the popularity and uh, market for uh, plant-based alternatives and meat substitutes is growing and growing. Mm -hmm. uh, so this is also something in which uh, our generation took to drive like five years ago to start with research and development on, on these types of products. Mm. And I think that this was as a good stage because nowadays we, uh, yeah, we arrange from the processed meat factory that almost 5% of our uh, assortment is, uh, is gained from uh, meat alternatives. Oh, wow, already. Okay. I find it fascinating that you started so early into the plant-based uh, trends. So yeah. That must be a great advantage for you today. So where are we? With that kind of science, like, you know, how optimistic are you in that becoming like a significant 
you know, part of your business? What is your prognostic at this stage? Uh, it's hard to translate this into numbers, but yeah, for me, it's clear that uh, at least uh, the flexitarian uh, lifestyle is, is getting more and more popularity and mm -hmm. will not disappear that soon. Uh, I think on the other hand, that meat consumption is never going to disappear, but it uh, might be that it will turn into... Uh, Yeah, for instance, in different consumption moments, or uh, that that consumers are will getting more value and and uh, and respect for for these type of products, and that it's not uh, a must anymore. I feel that family business members or generations that are being put in charge now, you're being dealt like a very interesting set of cards, right? Like in the sense of, well, you know, we're in the fourth industrial revolution, so very strong digitalization trends. And, you know, we've all grown up into a globalized economy that was globalizing faster and faster. And now we have a pandemic, <laughs> which is just the cherry on top of the ice cream, really, I would say for all of us. What kind of leadership do you think this is going to require? Because it feels like now we have a combination of factors where, yes, we can still go to the older generation to ask for advice. But quite frankly, there's no precedence to what is happening right now at the same time. So where do you seek advice now? Where do you go get the wisdom to understand all of these factors coming together, what that means for Compaxo? Like, is there any sort of like conscious, you know, search for advice or search for like, you know, counsel that you engage in as a generation? Or are you just feeling like, you know what, guys, this is really unprecedented. We have to figure this out on our own. This is where we have to sort of like discuss this and, and find our way forward on our own because there's nothing that this compares to. Yeah, that's a good question. Of course, uh, the older generation is always available for advice. Uh, we also are, are planning uh, in a structure like uh, that once in the so-called uh, three months or something uh, or several months, the old generation comes together to uh, uh, yeah, point their view on the situation. But I think it's important to to learn from them, to uh, listen to their advice. But it's also part of the entrepreneurial spirit uh, to to get our own ideas growing. And mm. uh, yeah, we are more or less the credible uh, proof of, of of a new generation, which is also very necessary in this industry in which we are in. Mm. Uh, there's a lot of pressure on the industry for sure. So um, yeah, that's something which we also need to consider from our own eyes. Mm. And yeah, furthermore, more advice. It's it's hard. Yeah, listen to the employees. Of course, that's always always important. Of course, customers is one of the biggest uh, stakeholder. Yeah, learn from your suppliers. Uh, yeah, that's more or less how we need to do it. Keep your eyes open. Uh, I think that's the uh, the key issue for every uh, entrepreneur. When you talk to you know your contemporaries in the sixth generation. Do you share similar hopes and hopes of the future of Compaxo? Like, you know, is there something that you're like, oh, wow, it would be really great if we would become synonymous with, you know, this and this and mm -hmm. that. Um, is there anything like that at your strive or is it more like, you know what, we just want to be here at the end, <laughs> at the end in the next, you know, we want to add another 50 years to those 125 and that's the main goal is to continue existing. I think uh, that that's a clear objective for sure. We do not calculate in uh, in, in, in quarters. So we calculate in uh, in generations, and uh, mm. that, that's the hope for the future as well. Fantastic. And uh, yeah, furthermore, of course, the, the ambitions it's hard to compare yourself with other companies. But I think most important common value that all of us have is that we are not here to keep the situation as it is, but of course uh, to do better than uh, than the earlier generations did. 
and uh, yeah, that should be the driver and uh, we'll see where we end. Trying to be more innovative and more modern, I think, also. Yeah, I think well, what the earlier generation did very good was focusing on operations within the industry, so uh, more efficient production and so on. But I think nowadays, especially uh, when uh, digitalization is getting more popularity, I think it's also important to uh, focus more on the outside of the company. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, we also have the ambition to yeah, get a better image of the company, uh, create on, on marketing, uh, more or less business to business marketing. We do not have the ambition to, to become a real consumer brand or, or mm-hmm. something like that. We are as it is more or less always a private label producer. But I think it's important to focus on on being more visible for the outside. Yes, exactly. And I think uh, especially after after so many years in business, it's important uh, not to forget to remind people that you're there, right? Like, so people get used to get used to you being there. So it's probably good to give them a refresher saying like, you know, we're still there. Whether you're 100 or 125, like, I think it's both, both numbers are very impressive. And yeah, look, yeah. Uh, yeah. But that's something that we want to emphasize. I think it's also uh, quite special in our industry uh, mm. to, to, to be a family, 100% family owned business and also uh, of, of so many years. So uh, we appreciate uh, the platforms uh, like, uh, like today uh, to, uh, to spread the word. So, uh, yeah. Absolutely. And we look forward to your next 100 years and uh, hopefully like to uh, to interview you again in the future. Thank you both very much for uh, for talking to us. Thank you for listening to the Family Business Voice. Subscribe to our channels now on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher or Spotify to be notified of our weekly episodes.